If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hutt, you'd probably feel so Hello, Blabba fans, and you are very welcome to episode 33 of Blabba the Hutt. Illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. We are very excited to bring you, this is, I believe, part two in our composer series. So a little while back, you heard from the famous <laughs> Kevin Kiner, and we kind of alluded to it that we may speak to his son, Sean and Dean. So here you go. This is it, people. Sean and Dean Kiner. And by the way, you know who we are. <laughs> or maybe you don't. Maybe you're a new listener. We are your host. I am Kate, and I will let Gary introduce himself. Hello there. <laughs> there you go. So we're trying to get these episodes out before our London Blitz. <laughs> yeah, and that's not too far away, Kate. It's coming up on us thick and fast. Yep. So we're going to be busy the next couple weeks producing and editing these next couple episodes, but... We wanted to get those out there and then you know we do still have a lot of other episodes on the back burner either in various stages of production so and, we got a lot of and some other upcoming guests which we can't officially talk about yet yes so secretive but yeah so this episode is all about the kinder bros and how fun were they to talk to gary it was an amazing chat and their CV reads like a dream. I mean, being in the shadow of Kevin Kiner is one thing, but to go on and achieve what they have and, you know, they are forging their own path, which, of course, they would do. They're very, very talented individuals. But the shows that they've worked on and, I mean, what they're doing with The Bad Batch, the music of The Bad Batch is just sensational. I mean, we, we talked mm -hmm. about it on the, on the previous episode of the Intergalactic News Desk. The music of the animated series does not have to go that hard. But when <laughs> it comes to the Bad Batch and Tales of the Jedi, it just has. It's just been phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's kind of cool just to see how they're all in the family, you know, and but they're all so different. So... That was really cool. Yeah, it was such a fine, uh, such a fun dynamic between the two of them, and you know, it's it's always great to hear from the folks behind the music of our favorite series. I mean, we we always think of the the actors and the the characters that they portray, but when it comes to Star Wars, the music is its own standalone character, and without it, mm -hmm. Star Wars wouldn't be what it is today. Exactly. Yeah. So. I mean, we could go on and on and on about how awesome they are, but I think we should just get right to the episode. Yeah, I think people will have heard enough from us. So uh, without further ado, <laughs> shall we roll the clip, Kate? Punch it, Chewy. Sean and Dean Connor, you are very, very welcome to Blab of the Hut. Uh, how are you guys? Doing great. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Having a great time. No, it's an absolute pleasure for us to have you. The music of Star Wars is obviously always a very hot topic of conversation. And when we do our live shows, we actually devote an entire part of our show to the music of Star Wars because it is itself a standalone character. But I suppose recently with John Williams sort of stepping back away from Star Wars, it became a more poignant topic of conversation between myself and Kate. So this composer series is part of essentially exploring that in greater depth because the talent within the composers and the orchestrators of Star Wars and the various iterations has been fantastic. And we will obviously get into that in detail, but that's why this series for us is just so much fun because we get to delve into that in a lot more detail. So before we kick that off, let's just start with sort of the, the basic generic question. So can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and your actual educational background? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I actually didn't go to school for music. I'm mm -hmm. Sean Kiner, and um, I learned everything on the job, basically. I went to school for creative writing, 
which ended up being pretty beneficial for me because um, having a sense of drama and like understanding what a scene needs, I think is like the number one job of a composer. So um, I ended up learning on the musical side from my father and from Dean uh, while I was music editing. And just over time, I kind of um, naturally transitioned into composing from music editing. Nice. And I'm Dean Kiner. Uh, I did end up going to uh, Berklee College of Music, which is in Boston. So I got a pretty uh, <laughs> solid uh, foundation for my music education. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, I actually, I did go there intending to study film score. Um, and I did one semester of it. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And I came home for uh, winter break and I sat and watched my dad work for like a few hours and I was like this is impossible I, I have no idea how he does this like it this I could never do something like this so I changed majors to songwriting and tried to pursue that for a little bit and I think it actually ended up <laughs> you'll you'll see in a few months there's some songs that are actual songs in something that we've done i'll bring it up when i'll, I'll highlight that once it comes out but mm -hmm. uh it, it's honestly been really beneficial not or it feels like it's been really beneficial not having a film score background for what we do just because i like doing my own thing at this point where i'm just like mm, like like i have a lot of respect for for film score and the way that it's approached by so many people, but like, I really enjoy uh, the way that I take on or approach scoring film. So like when you guys were growing up, did, did you want to be a composer at all? Like, or like, did you look at your dad and you're like, I want to do that. <laughs> for, a, for a really long time, I did. Probably oh, cool. most of, most of my like preteen years was, I was like dead set on being a composer and uh and just something shifted and I was like oh I'll be a fireman or like a fashion designer or something I just started like <laughs> throwing out all these different ideas once I was like in high school basically I was like oh no I should I should do something different I shouldn't just like do whatever like I should be myself or whatever and that totally shifted again <laughs> once I started working crazy I was always always extremely neutral about my dad's job. Um, I, I had like an interest, like a vague interest in it, but um, I was always very musical. You know, music was always a big part of my life, but um, I just knew that I loved story and being around story. And I wasn't really sure what aspect of it I want, uh, you know, I wanted to contribute to. And so, you know, um, you know, that's why I pursued creative writing for a long time and, uh, you know, I have a great time running D and D sessions nowadays, <laughs> or maybe Pathfinder awesome. sessions in the future. <laughs> um, although I heard that they caved, I heard that they caved, and uh, they're they're putting SRD five point one in Creative Commons. Anyways, that's neither here nor oh, there. Wow, um, I, I, I <laughs> um, but to, to answer your question, no, I didn't want to become a composer. Like specifically, I didn't really have any um, specific um, like desire to be any one thing uh when i was a kid very interesting comparing and contrasting you two <laughs> very much so and then guys if we look at the trajectory of your career obviously you are both your own individual person but then your career trajectory seems to have gone from strength to strength and obviously we have mentioned that the great kevin kiner is of course the one above all he is you know the, the great yeah. man himself but what i was wondering was was there ever a time where your career trajectory was going in separate directions and then the kiner bros were formed could you tell us a little bit about yeah that, that sort of come into play definitely i because like you know like as i said I, I did songwriting so i i made a lot of friends that were in a lot of different bands and, and i played on uh like a handful of different projects and when i'm on it like really when i first started working for my dad, I was still pursuing that. And I was playing in a couple bands, one of which was Illuminati Hobbies, which is my friend Sarah Tudson's band. 
Uh, I played bass for her for like a couple legs of tour and uh, it like, and that was like the path that I thought that I was going to take and being on tour was pretty intense on um, kind of like my, my, like my home life and my social life and ended up being something that I, I realized I couldn't really pursue uh, because I wanted to maintain like the way that my life existed at that point. So I, I ended up uh, leaving the band pretty amicably. Um, I, like I'm still really good friends with everyone. And, uh, and yeah, and then I started getting a lot more serious about like film score with Sean. Yeah, and it's just been very organic for me. I've been very go with the flow. So cool. yeah. uh, no real divergence here. I'm just like, oh yeah, this is hard <laughs> and good. <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. So we want to talk about some of your personal highlights. So if you guys each want to kind of highlight some of your personal favorites. Personal favorites of uh, what we've done. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You like musically. Gosh, you know, Thrawn coming on and, you know, being in the animated universe was really special. And so felt like you know we needed to really take that seriously and do something really special there so I'm very proud of that although the organ was dave filoni's idea he's like here you oh guys interesting <laughs> use organ for thrawn i so feel like that could that. be like a whole episode <laughs> hey don't go <laughs> talking about the don't, don't go there with that episode we, we just have to point out that somebody on screen here actually wrote a college paper on thrawn that's all i'll say really oh. <laughs> wow interesting it was me. I did it. No. <laughs> uh, for uh, my personal highlight, honestly, uh, it has kind of been Doom Patrol, like weirdly, just because it's so weird. Mm -hmm. It's so strange and left field and explores like really fun concepts and it's just totally unhinged, really. And there's so many, so many emotional moments that I really connected to throughout the series that it was truly uh, a joy to collaborate with everyone on that show. Uh, it is really too bad it's, that it's coming to an end, but these last episodes that are going to come out are, there's some really special ones. And yeah, there's just, it, it also really impacted the way that we uh, approach a lot of um, our music. It's just like it opened up this like like different kind of synthesis uh, or like, you know, like actual like synthesizer uh, approach and really exercise that muscle for us and has, I, I think, been a really positive impact on what we do. Great answer. Great answer. And what I love is you both have such different backgrounds. Let's say, Dean, you sort of came, I suppose, from the more traditional background in the sense of going to, you know, through your education for that specific purpose. Whereas, Sean, you mentioned more it was learning on the job for you and being in that sort of environment, which at times is the best learning tool you can have. So, I, yeah. Sorry, just to speak to that, I definitely like the most growth I've had has been working like the first year of working for my dad I certainly got more musical education than my four years no offense to Berkeley I actually really appreciate my time there and I, I don't think I could do any of what I do without that education or, or I would be in a very different position but um I <laughs> just like doing this job like there's just so much more that I didn't even think about that educated me uh, and continue. Yeah, Sorry. college teaches you how to learn, you know, mm -hmm. and our foundations. It's actually interesting because you talk about our different backgrounds. I feel like our personalities 
got like the exact kind of education that we needed because mm-hmm. I am much more someone who's like by the book. I like to follow instructions and I, I don't like to um, do things by the seat of my pants necessarily. Yeah. And Dean is much more free form. And so for Dean to get the rigid education and for me to get the more haphazard like <laughs> in there, it was kind of perfect for uh, to challenge both of our personalities mm-hmm. and um, made us stronger overall. It definitely, Fascinating. It definitely does seem like the perfect storm, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And then that begs the question then, you know, as they say, uh, pressure makes diamonds. When you are sometimes just thrown in at the deep end and you have to learn your craft as you go. From your different perspectives then, what would you actually say are the necessary skills needed to succeed as a composer? Because it is no doubt a very high pressure environment and you do need to have a lot of strings to your bow and have a a very wide ranging skill set. Yeah, that's true. Um, If I had to pick one, I think I mentioned it earlier, but um, a sense of drama, you know, knowing what a scene needs and how a scene interacts with the rest of the work, you know, understanding what someone's trying to accomplish in any given moment is really critical. Because if you don't know that, then you could write the most beautiful piece of music that is completely wrong that undermines the story. You know, yeah. and then a very close second is obviously musicality and understanding the history of um, film score and the language therein, and um, how to use that in order to serve the first thing I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Sean saying, like just understanding story and like what you're trying to accomplish, uh, like in collaboration, and and that's another one is focusing actually on the aspect of collaboration, that it's not about you and it's not about your music. It's important, it definitely, like, don't get me wrong, but like, it's it's about what story you're trying to tell with the other creatives on the team. And uh, yeah, and it, like, if you start really focusing on on like how good or how technical your music is, sometimes that will start to get in the way of, the story you're trying to tell sometimes there's there's obviously you know exceptions <laughs> to this mm-hmm. but like yeah i i've found that like it's it has been most important to lean on my understanding of like what the actors are trying to accomplish what the directors are trying to accomplish and all mm-hmm. that very cool so uh do you guys have any specific inspirations within the profession I mean, John Williams is the easy answer. Yeah. If we can't, if we can't sure. say John, if we can't say John Williams, I don't know. Like, it's so hard to pick because, you know, every composer, every working composer is world class. You know, like, yeah. I don't think there's a single composer out there who, uh, like, I have disdain for that, you know, everyone's done something that just staggers me in a way. And it's so inspirational to go and listen to other people's uh, work and things. You, you know, you listen to... um what they did for Andor it's never in a million years what I would have thought to do for Star Wars and yet you know it totally works it's mm-hmm. you know it, it's supporting what Andor is going for right I thought that was really special yeah that was amazing yeah uh I <laughs> I like my uh my my weirdos so I, I love like a John Bryan uh who did like a Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind uh I think it was called Lion uh like paranorman he he's just like he's got like a very distinct voice and uh he he seems to have so much fun with uh his approach and he still has that like emotionality behind uh that fun uh another one that i've been obsessed with for years now is uh, the composer for devs so Mm -hmm. there's this uh one of them is ben salisbury uh, Jeff Barrow and there's a group called the insects and they make the craziest most unsettling like noises basically <laughs> and it's just like the the their approach to film score is always so harrowing and I think that's why uh they collaborate with that what's the name of that uh director it's Alex Alex Garland uh that and just every time I watch something that they do, it's like I just feel <laughs> completely shifted in my being, and it's 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 incredible, and it's it's so minimal so much of the time, and I I really love the way that they do that. 
or just hit me. <laughs> um, a more pop culture one. I like Ramin Jawadi a lot. Like I, I, I'm such a fanboy for Ramin Jawadi. You know his work on Pacific <laughs> Rim. Obviously, like Westworld and and Game of Thrones are great. Um, but I have a special spot in my heart for Pacific Rim, and uh, and actually, you know, the score for Warcraft is really good. If you go back and listen, it's too bad that that ended up not uh, not going anywhere. But um, the score is fantastic. Yeah, he's a, a, like a really amazing craftsman. Like, yeah, and you'll definitely if you go through some of Bad Batch, you'll definitely hear a little bit of Pacific Rim every once in a while. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like it's like the go to for kaiju music, that and the old Godzilla, yeah. right? But, um, nice. you know, I, I, you know, he, he's just he's a very lyrical composer. Um, you know what I mean? He, he's got a fun sense of uh, of melody that's really different yeah. than what a lot of people do. To be fair, though, you guys are spoiled for choice because the amount of incredible talent that you do cross paths with throughout your career. So it, <laughs> it must true. be very, very hard to nail down particular things that are a, that are a focus for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just we listen to as much as we can because it's all, you know, it's all food. It's all tools. What can I steal? What can For I sure. use? Why do I like this? Why does this work? <laughs> How can I do this in an interesting oh. way in my own thing? What was the quote that Dad just sent us? Oh, the other day. Do you remember? Oh, it's like you steal from one person, you're a thief. Um, you steal from everyone, then that's just research, or you're just a researcher. Yeah, research. <laughs> Can, yeah. can we put that in writing? <laughs> no, <laughs> no else it's, a, it's a quote from from the internet, uh, from the internet. like a director. No, it was like a director or something. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it. Well, cool. I also said it pretty poorly. So <laughs> no, that was that was right though. That was that was that was it. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but it, it it is interesting that you say that. Then you know you're trying to take in as much as possible and to learn and perfect your craft by I suppose examining using the the tools of others and again having both of you on it, it's such a nice way of seeing the different perspectives so in that sense then what would you say you each consider the most challenging aspect of composing music because you've already mentioned that you can have the most fantastic score but if you don't understand I suppose the emotional tonality of the piece then it, it's not worth its salt so what would you say is the most challenging aspect of composing a piece of music for you both? Well, I know it is for me. Um, for me, it's the sheer volume of, uh, uh, of stuff that we are asked to do because, you know, it's just, I'm not a person who enjoys like doing the same thing over and over, you know, like there are these go-to to, uh, go tools that you can rely on um, for like a certain scene but we always want to try and challenge ourselves to find new sounds, to find new ways of doing things, you know, and even if it's in a very, in a very incremental sense, I think that over the years we have been developing uh, things and, and iterating on, on ways to do scenes differently, to um, evoke emotions in a different way. And sometimes we'll make big leaps, you know, when we, when we find a new sound that just like opens a whole, whole new um, way of interacting with orchestra or interacting with story and scene. But um you know, to be um, asked to do that, like, you know, uh, with the amount of uh, volume that we are, that I think is the most challenging thing, how to keep it fresh when we're doing, you know, hours and hours of um, score, you know, every every month. Yeah, uh, I definitely have <laughs> trouble with a lot of technical aspects of music. So like knowing, like being really knowledgeable about like, modes and like the kind of like um like more ma mathematical aspects of music and uh I think that's why I definitely say like oh drama and understanding story is really important because like just match that like don't worry about the tech because like it's too hard anyways to do it <laughs> uh but like yeah just like going through and examining like um like a John Williams score is like horrifying for me it's just like how like what <laughs> how did he do that it's crazy um and yeah it's just like the way that he shifts like emotions 
while still being incredibly technically like uh, powerful is like mind boggling to me. And I, I know it's not my, my strength. I, I am currently working on it. I'm studying and I'm practicing more, but like I, right now I know it's definitely not my, my, it's something that definitely challenges me. Interesting. Great answer. So, so we live at a really interesting point in time where we have like so much technology available to us. So uh, can you guys kind of go into a little more about what types of technology or even like if if you prefer just getting a piece of paper and pencil and writing it, uh, that kind of thing? Um, in terms of technology, I mean, you know, the best part of living right now is also kind of the worst part in that um, you have an infinite number of ways that you can do things. You know, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, like even if we were to relegate ourselves to only things in the box, only things that were digital, um, software generated sounds, we would still never run out of new sounds to find or make or generate, you know, and understanding that like, you know, it, you do kind of have to just start going by gut. It's like, hey, where, like, what's like a general like direction that I'm going to go off into? And you kind of wa wander out into the audio wilderness uh, searching for, um, you know, a sound that resonates with the scene properly, you know? But then you start like uh, also bringing in microphones and um, things that you can record and then alter, right? And then that opens up an entirely new thing. Like, Wow. we're still making new finding new ways for like uh, new sounds for the orchestra to make you know something <laughs> that we've been doing for like you know centuries you know and so imagine that but with you know an infinite array of uh, of generating sounds and um it can just it's like blank page uh, the 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 um the fear of the blank page almost you know if you start to get too intimidated by it it can be paralyzing mm -hmm. yeah yeah if i if i lost a or if we lost computers, I, I, I don't know how it would work. <laughs> like, like pencil and paper, like when you said that, I thought about like, like, uh, just like actually having to write down notes. And I'm like, I barely even think about the way that notes look on paper these days. <laughs> like I'm looking at like, like piano scrolls and like, just it's all software for me. Like I, I know I, like I, I play a lot of uh live instruments, but like all of the implementation is computers. It's just the way that we work, like it's the way that like almost everyone has shifted. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's <laughs> that brings up an interesting perspective, actually. It, it makes me think of it, in the same way that like, you know, when you're playing guitar, you're playing uh, um, a live instrument, you know, it, the 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 music comes directly from your brain through your fingers and out into the world. Right. And so in the same way, like we have brought that kind of proximity, that kind of immediacy to um, to the orchestra right, where it can go from my brain into my fingers and come out immediately. I don't have to like be imagining it, you know? And mm -hmm. so I can, um, I know there's a, there's a kind of, I don't know, improvising with the orchestra is something that um, musicians previously had not been able to um, do. And now I can have like an entire orchestra at my literal yeah, fingertips. Interesting. That's a really good point. I didn't think of it like that. Definitely. And uh, Sean, you br Sean, you brought up an interesting point about the amount that you guys are asked to do. So when you're working on a big project, I would imagine you guys effectively have to be the ultimate multitaskers in that you have so many different strings to your bow and the amount that you have to try and get done in, let's say, a specified day. So what's a typical day for you guys like when you are working on, let's say, a, a big project? Well, um, you know, when we're working on a big project, it, it, it can be really difficult to switch gears. So um, I, at least for me, I'll try to devote an entire day to a single project. I won't be switching gears in the middle of it, right? Like I won't be doing Bad Batch and then switch to Doom Patrol mm -hmm. um, if I can help it. Because that just, I don't know, it, it's just a different mindset. You know, you wake up one day and, um, you know, you've got whatever chips you have um, and then you spend them on on a project and it's like sometimes the um exchange rate doesn't really translate <laughs> i don't know if this i'm getting into the weeds with a metaphor or with no, a, it makes sense. 
Okay, right? Like, yeah. So I, I just, you know, I, I try to focus on one at a time and do as much as I can. And I, you know, thankfully, we know exactly how much that we need to do um, by specific dates. And so, you know, there's a little bit of time management, knowing how much you have to get done by the end of the day. And that can be interesting or, you know, because if I'm really getting down to brass tacks, it's like, I really have to come up with an interesting idea in the next 20 minutes so that I can execute it and have it done, be done by the rest of the day. Otherwise I'm starting to lose sleep. You know what I mean? And so that, that there's a, there's a lot of pressure that can come with that. Yeah, one one really big thing that we uh, have to grapple with is is starting a new project is always like a completely different workflow than like say working on the Bad Batch, which we've been doing for years at this point. Uh, like, but starting something new and being like, oh, this needs its own voice, it needs its own themes, its own like character and. Uh, and we don't have that right now. <laughs> like we just are throwing random things at the wall and just being like, is that anything? Does that does that sound right? Is it cool? And yeah, then I well, send it to Sean and he's like, This is this is nonsense. And I'm like, You're right. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and like and, and that takes so much time of just like experimenting and trying to figure out something like totally different while staying true to our our own musical voices and but trying to also match and it's like oh it takes so much more time and then bad bad shit's like oh yeah like totally i got this <laughs> so it's like when you're starting a project do you allocate more time at the beginning then so you can kind of get the voice and not intentionally <laughs> that just ends up happening gotcha <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> spend more time doing it it just oh, okay I just have to spend more time doing it. Yeah, it's gotcha. like an itch. But, you know, it, it ends up a lot of times being something where, you know, Dean and I will sit around keyboard, you know, or we'll sit around the uh, piano and then we'll just like start going through different melodies, start uh, like experimenting with different uh, modalities and things um, to try and find that voice like he was saying. Cool. Nice. What is it like when, let's say, you take on a project and you are given deadlines and how do you guys approach upcoming deadlines do you always set yourself sort of mini targets as the project progresses or is it a case of you need to have the entire thing mapped out from the get-go and make adaptions as you progress oh i mean well i mean when a project is first starting um that can just run the gamut we've had um everything from hey we're starting in a week get ready um to like hey we're bringing you in at a, a really early stage before any of the animatics are even started just because we want the animators to hear things you know and um there's strengths and weaknesses to um both approaches um a fair amount of panic for the former <laughs> <laughs> but you know a, a little bit um you know there, there there's also pitfalls that you can get when you start really early too because you might um make something that's like in the genre but like specifically won't work when you um, match it up with the um the editing pace and the directorial kind of um rhythm of of a project and we run into that where it's like hey we've written like a john williams ask like eight bar melody that just isn't gonna fit with the uh, kinetic pace of these specific like specific characters and scenes you know so you get too much time you run into that problem you don't have enough time it's okay. You just panic and then um, something good comes out, I guess. <laughs> I, I personally, I, I thrive with deadlines. I, I've found myself very often not having a deadline and not creating anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, we'll get to it. It's like, we got to focus on this anyway. So you're like, or like, just, I, I always need something to tell me to like, go just like, it's like okay you have to accomplish this by that day so like do it <laughs> otherwise i'm just like i'm like mm, what what am i even doing like what what like what am i even making like this doesn't need to exist yet and then but i i basically always need a fire lit under me otherwise i will not be cooking <laughs> in a way it's like we've underdeveloped we we our, our, that skill is atrophied of like um uh self-motivation just 
by virtue of never having had the had that opportunity to like you know just um play around uh, with things because we always have deadlines right we've never not had deadlines mm-hmm. um in terms of how the project goes once it's began um there's very clear like deadlines when we need to need to deliver to the client which means that we need a few days um to give it to the mixer uh beforehand so then it makes a very clear straightforward date so once something gets rolling that's always the best because you get in that you get in that rhythm yeah and that that's really what it is it's it's been a, a rhythm like i i have found myself like kind of like stepping back and and like looking and uh like thinking about like okay how many how much music do i need to have made and i'll realize i never think about that i just like i'm like okay i'll work on this uh like through wednesday or something and i feel like that'll be the right amount of time to finish and then i'll (laughs) then i'll realize like oh i somehow perfectly paced myself to create exactly that much with like the time that i gave myself and i'm like i like it's it's really become something i don't think about like i've just like i'm like oh like i i need to work on this okay i'll finish it and then I'm like, oh, it's the deadline. Great. Perfect. I did it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Dean. If you cut your time that you gave yourself in half, you would still have finished it like on time. And if you doubled the amount that you give yourself, you yeah. also still would have finished exactly on time. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> totally. It's funny how that works for you guys, you know, having a certain amount of time. And obviously, as you said, you've always met with deadlines. Is there ever a point where you have to like I suppose the way I'm trying to word this is every project you work on do you have to be emotionally invested in the project or are there times where it's just work it's it's the next piece you know you you have the next one and then you move on is there does there always have to be a serious amount of emotional investment to to make this the best it can be I I I personally actually need to like settle into like a a working rhythm just because I feel I get really drained if I'm constantly emotionally like charged while I work because like, and, and there's just like so many things like, or like moments in series where I, I know like, Oh, I, I know I just need to accomplish the, the, the task of like what, like this action scene is doing like, and it's, uh, like that I, I'm just like okay that's just like a nose to the grindstone kind of thing where I'm just like I need to hit this hit this hit this do this okay this sounds like action and then I can send it out and uh like I, I find myself like if if the scene calls for it myself to be like emotionally invested like I that happens naturally for me but there's a lot of times where I'm just like uh, like I just need to create for work right (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's just like I I love what we do and but at the end of the day like we are working and work is is work (laughs) yeah that's very funny because I mean everybody's got their own workflow but I'm the exact opposite where (laughs) I I I absolutely need to be um emotionally connecting with a scene on some level because if I'm not if I'm not feeling a scene it becomes impossible for me to get anything out I'm like I know what I'm yeah it's like I don't know what the point is here I'm like (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and I've got to you know luckily that like you know that very rarely happens because you know I, I love all the shows that we work on but like, you know, in, in cases where I, have you know, struggled to emotionally connect with a scene, it's been very difficult. And so I need to, um, and it is, it is very draining. <laughs> no, de- no denying it. Mm. Um, but I've got to, but I've, I, I do feel like a, a need to um, emotionally connect with a scene in order to score it. Hmm. Yeah. But, you know, Again, everybody... very interesting with you too. <laughs> yeah. So obviously you're working in some of these like giant massive sandboxes like star wars and doom patrol and there's like different levels of secrecy involved and ndas and all kinds of fun stuff like that so can you tell us a little bit about what what it's like working with those levels of secrecy it's very easy we don't talk to anyone outside our bubble yeah <laughs> <laughs> right answer there you like, go i have like 
I honestly feel like we I have a pretty like tight knit group of friends and I also don't even see them that often. We're like the way that we work is so non-social as composers Yeah. a lot of the time. Like uh, there's some composers that, you know, they, they are very collaborative and working with like their, their people and stuff. But like us personally have very much just been like, I sit at my computer for eight hours and then a bunch of music comes out of it. Uh, and, <laughs> and then by the time we're socializing, the last thing we want to do is talk more about work. True. So it's it's very it's there's no there's you don't want to talk about work when you're out with people you're not supposed to be talking about work with anyone so pretty easy to to keep everything that's fair enough yeah that's the best answer we've had isn't it it's probably the most honest answer we've ever had <laughs> it's uh just oh is that bad that might be bad no not at all not at all it's just like we don't talk to anyone it's as plain and simple as that i love it yeah it's just love how it it happened yeah But I suppose, guys, then to go the complete polar up, polar end, opposite end of the scale, and this is something that I would imagine that you guys have so many different stories that you could talk about. Collaborating with other composers and people you admire and get to work with in the industry, that must be just the best part of the job by an absolute country mile. Yeah, it's wonderful. For me, definitely. Yeah, like, I I mean, it's, yeah, and we, we've talked to Kevin a lot about this, but like, every time we work with somebody new, we find, like, the amount of growth that we get from it is immense. Just like, we're like, oh, I never thought to do it like that. And that's really cool. And you're doing, that's like such an interesting way to approach this or like, like such an interesting kind of, way to play that like it, it it's it's so amazing how different everyone's perspectives are and how like how interesting it is to see something through that that perspective and uh yeah it and we will get to work with just some of the greatest like it's it's crazy um yeah every single time it's been huge growth That similar feelings for you as well, Sean, that it's, you know, it's just must be so fun to collaborate and bounce off each other. And I suppose you learn something from them and potentially they learn something from you. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they've learned anything from us, but all I can speak for is myself. And I mean, honestly, everything that we do is already so collaborative anyways, you know, bouncing cues off of one another that um, it's really it's a really natural extension. It's just like a completely different flavor. You know, the return is is significantly different. I feel like I have a very good idea about how Dean and Kevin work and um you know, uh, to get someone else, you know, uh, suddenly stuff in front of me and be showing someone else something. Um, it's, you know, it, that's a different experience. But in terms of the bones of it, it's just naturally how, how we work. I don't even know how it worked alone. I don't I'm not I don't know how to do that. You know, we've just always worked together. Sorry, can you guys hear the cat meowing in the background on my end? Oh, I wish I could, <laughs> though. Where's my cat? yeah. <laughs> I might have to let him in my room because he's meowing. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, we're Okay. big fans. Okay, Yeah. I'm going to go get him real quick. His name's Kenobi. <laughs> Oh, no. Where's Sean Luke? <laughs> oh, he's in here, too. Oh, there The dog we go. is You John see. Luke, and the cat is Kenobi. Oh, incredible. Oh, that's a really good name. I've, speaking of nerdy names, I've always wanted to get a cat and name them Starscream. Just feels like a great name for a cat. I don't, I don't know why I, I'm hung up on it. I'm hung up on Bagel. Bagel's a great pet name. Oh, bagel's great. Right? Yeah. Is that a Camille Nanjani's pug, I want to say? I have no idea. I don't know. There he is. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh big boy. <laughs> Hello, Um, master. people, the people at home can't see this, so. But it's a very cute cat. Oh, look at your Yeah. little boy. Oh, hello. <laughs> One thing, uh, one thing we've always been accused of on our show is crossing the streams, whether it's we have cats and dogs or Ghostbusters and Star Trek references in a Star Wars. Everything comes in all at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's just the way that like everything has has gotten it feels like i feel like it used to be very like almost like binary where it's like star trek star wars no no overlap not Oh, allowed and now it's like these days it's like if you like 
one nerdy thing even a little bit you like all of it uh-huh. like you will absolutely get <laughs> every funny. like invest in everything like yeah. if you like star wars you're gonna like lord of the rings too it's just how it works <laughs> the first podcast that i did was called who wars it was a doctor mm-hmm. who star wars podcast hey. yeah. excellent <laughs> totally That's makes awesome. sense yeah totally they they meshed together pretty well so it was pretty interesting but yeah oh, did i I'm, miss anything I'm, I'm loving all of the doctor who actors that have been showing oh am i so right there, there's a doctor who actors in uh andor right maybe <laughs> am i wrong am i crazy I think, you're I think I am crazy. I, there's a lot of like crossover, I, I know, but like I, I haven't been at following Doctor Who as closely, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay, okay. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you want to ask our Sorry. last burning question that we've had yeah. before we move on to the So th- this round? one, this one should be an interesting one. So do you guys ever experience any sibling rivalry? <laughs> uh, not, it's that's not super productive. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe it, I don't even I don't even think at the beginning. No, I don't know. We're too different with uh, with our strengths being too different that it's hard to like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always I'm only ever comforted by the fact that Dean's better at something than me because I'm like, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry about that. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exact same, like there was definitely like um like we really had to learn how to like work together and and like collaborate properly. That is true. Uh, but there was never anything like, oh, I want to do this and I'm going to do it better than you. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a single instance of that. It's it's very much been like, oh, you feel really strongly about like, oh, you you really want to do that? Oh, yeah, that's totally cool. Like, oh, like I, I, there's this thing like I'm really fixated on this part and like I'm going to do this. And it's it really always feels like we want to do kind of different things and uh yeah like and even it's it's we just try to like listen to how much each other wants to do like a like a a certain cue oh yeah i guess that's the only real point of conflict right is if we both want to do a cue but i mean (laughs) even then even then like have we ever even had a big conflict over i don't think we have what about what to have Mm -hmm. for lunch Not really. I mean, we <laughs> work in different, we work places. In different places. You guys are just really chill. <laughs> chill All the rough edges have been worn off. Yeah. yeah sorry. Nothing. Nothing juicy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's goes awesome. Our exclusive, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Guys, this has been an absolute pleasure for me and Kate. It's always so fantastic to hear about these guys, and obviously to have two very different perspectives is always fun so last up we always finish with our random questions slash quick fire round so anything goes doesn't always have to be star wars you can branch off you can do whatever bonus points for star wars though yeah oh okay good to know (laughs) so we've mentioned that you guys have been involved in writing some incredible themes within star wars if we think in particular we know you had a big hand in Thrawn's team, obviously uh, Thrawn's true face, Thrawn's web everything like that has come up but everyone has their Star Wars so if you could compose something for any character who would you compose it for and what would their theme consist of and I notice you both have guitars in the background so I'm imagining we might see a guitar come in somewhere <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit <laughs> I mean Shabby, what, you did, go you first? Use, did you use guitar in uh, Tales? the walk through the force was that guitar or was that a different yeah um, that, that was this thing called a octave mandolin and oh, uh oh wow yeah there like you can hear it a, a lot in um uh the inquisitor um there's like a moment where like that's that's a guitar but like yeah we, we blend it in every once in a while there is some stuff coming up that is very guitar centric that i am actually pretty excited about we're Ooh, we're nice. all very excited. We're like, oh, this turned out great. Um, but my character would be Babu Fee. Nice, <laughs> nice. He hey, did not. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> he himself is musical. The way he exists is musical. Is he's just a perfect character. Like <laughs> just 
he has he he did <laughs> had movie. such an impact in like 10 minutes if if that <laughs> true. right and yeah um he is probably one of the most quoted uh characters <laughs> in in my household nice <laughs> looks like we might see him on season three of mando oh okay. maybe maybe Double a special yeah <laughs> Yeah. That'll be exciting to hear. Uh, yeah. But for the his theme, I, I have no idea what it would sound like. <laughs> I, I don't know, harp, something pretty Cupid-esque. Some get some banjo in there for Babu Freak. Ah, there's banjo like already it. in there. Nice. <laughs> uh, for That's me, awesome. gosh, I really like Dengar, but Mara Jade would be pretty sweet. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Dean and I were throwing around ideas, and he mentioned Mara Jade. Got to give him credit. <laughs> and I was like, "Ooh, that is." <laughs> I could see a guitar in there somewhere, maybe. Nah, not for Mara Jade. No, no? Mara Jade's different. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that's not how, that, you know what? Yeah, that's not how I would do it. That's no. a valid choice. I'm sure <laughs> someone could make that work. It's not how I. Um, God, what would she be? Uh, something bowed. Xu Jing? No, I don't know. Although, yeah, people at home can't see, but behind <laughs> me is Xu Jung. Oh, you know oh, why wow. I'm thinking of that? It's because Jade and then China and then instruments. Oh, oh that's where that thread There's your, your synapse pathway. <laughs> got it. Random break. Yeah, I don't know if that would really uh, work for her. Xu Jung's got a. Depends on what, what her story is, right? Where is she at? Yeah, like, is she yeah. in the, like, the love interest point? Oh, is she true. in the. In the, the just darker. like hand of the emperor part, or... right? Well, that's why I think Bode would work so so well because it would evolve over time with her as she develops. You know, it's a mm. lot more um, versatile. Mm -hmm. You'd have to do. You'd have to start playing the gujang or a plucked instrument um, significantly different um, for her. You couldn't just reharmonize it. Um, Anyway, I sorry. can see the gears no. turning and oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> He's like actively trying to write music, I can tell. <laughs> I felt like you was a trap. Awesome. You guys had laid a trap for me. I love you it. wanted to work on a Sunday. How uh, dare you? <laughs> I nice. have to carbo load after this. There you go. So we already talked about the goat, John Williams. <laughs> um but we want to ask who is your favorite composer and you can you can go back to even like you know like the classical masters or whatever for this i mean it's john it's just it's john still john <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bonus uh, points for you <laughs> <laughs> i know i wish i could give a more interesting answer but like i gotta so. be true myself it's like he's part of my childhood the sound is a you know it's this whole genre yeah that, um, we're big john fans yeah that's fair. I, I already mentioned mine is John Bryan. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's awesome though. I, yeah, I, I don't, he's just, he's just so charming. It's just so lovely. It's yeah. a nice time. Nice and emotional in all the ways I want to be emotional. That's lovely. I like that. Well, this should be very, very interesting with contrasting backgrounds. We know this is highly individual, but guys, what is the greatest film score ever made? because uh, <laughs> you do you go with empire and you get the you know you get the vader theme you get the imperial march yeah but you know battle of the heroes and revenge of the sith is amazing you know people people don't give enough credit to the, uh, the love theme um from attack of the clones either because that was the big new yeah that's so um, good mm -hmm. i don't know that's hard that's too hard for me to answer <laughs> <laughs> i don't I don't know if there is like a single one, but I, I, I think if you like held me at gunpoint, I would have to say Empire, just as well, just because like okay, so we were trying to figure this out, especially with like John Williams scores, um, whereas like is it like Jurassic Park or like a Jaws because they like set the tone for like horror or like, but like when you hear Star Wars music. It is always space. It is always like space fantasy. It is always Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of trouble thinking of any other film score that has been as potent of 
creating a an entire genre essentially and uh yeah just like the accomplishments of that like of that those scores like you could say you could definitely say like a new hope or, or something but like star wars I have a lot of trouble arguing there is a, a, a like you could get into like the nitty gritty is like okay what is is it like a cultural impact is it like a technical or like emotional accomplishment that it did but then that gets like kind of subjective it feels like if you I would I would imagine like the cultural impact of Star Wars is not it has not been reached by anyone else sorry everyone no oh, that's <laughs> awesome he, he, he did really <laughs> good he was he's very talented <laughs> it's just not fair i mean you know yeah. any composer that had even one of his hits would be remembered forever but like god i was watching et i was watching the um the the the, the bike scene you know when when they they oh, start yeah. flying. And I just ended up in tears. I didn't know where it came <laughs> from, right? The nostalgia just washed over me and the score is just, you know, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. He's already so, so talented. And then you put him in a a project like Star Wars and it's just the Did you guys... I'm so oh. excited for that that movie, the Spielberg and... Uh, oh, that's movie. what I was just going to say. I was going to ask you guys if you saw that. No, I haven't. The Fablemans? No, no, I still haven't oh. watched it. No, I'm talking. It was about, really good. Um, I'm talking about Spielberg's making a, a film about John Williams. Oh, the documentary. <gasps> I the documentary. had no yeah, idea. I did hear that. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Required, I think. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. If I'm the right. Fablemans was really good. Like, and like Ooh. John Williams' score in that is like it's like different, but like still awesome. <laughs> I've heard sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but yeah. See. All right, so. Back to Star Wars. <laughs> so we want to know prequel era, original trilogy, or new trilogy, and why? What's the question? This is evil. <laughs> Gary came like up this with this one. I feel like this is not allowed. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to ask this. <laughs> I get too much trouble. I'll get too in too much trouble if I start talking anything about the sequel trilogy. Um, <laughs> oh, that's true. It's I, a trap. That's actually exactly what I want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, if you want all of uh, Twitter and Reddit to get on your ass, so go for it. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> I love, I, I love the original trilogy. You gotta, you, I mean, if I gun to my head, you gotta go original trilogy. But the prequel trilogy has some amazing stuff in it as well, and I, I'm really happy that the fandom has come around to it. Because people don't remember, maybe I mean, maybe people do, but it feels like they don't remember just how much. Um, flack the prequel trilogy got oh, for yeah. a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. you know, I, I'm really glad that every, everyone's like welcomed it back in with open arms. So awesome. I'm going to abstain because Sean's threatening me with the internet. I'm not threatening. I'm just telling you the reality <laughs> of the situation. I spend a lot of time in these spaces and it's still so controversial. I can't believe how you yeah. actively. You know, it was filmed in so. Ireland. Imagine how we feel. <laughs> What's that? It was filmed in Ireland. Imagine how we feel when all that started. The sequel trilogy. Oh yeah, <laughs> proud. <laughs> well, we did feel proud of that, yeah. But what happened afterward? Nope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you want, you guys can just say something nice about each trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> They're all oh, yeah. Star Wars, and it's the, great, the, and I love I, John Williams, right? I love the music. <laughs> prequel trilogy i love the music in the original trilogy and the music yeah. in the sequel trilogy so there you go i love highlights i love the cast in the sequel trilogies i yeah. think they did uh, like incredible things with mm -hmm. uh with their characters i and i'm still in love with every single one of them yeah awesome especially babu right yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I was talking about. Like, I don't know who else. Exactly. Yes. So, Kate, we've reached the last question for the guys. Yes. And it's one, I suppose, that you both are incredibly well-placed to answer. Do you have any advice for young and aspiring composers who may be listening? Um, yeah, you know, watch a lot of movies. Listen to a lot of soundtracks. 
but make sure that you watch the movies that they belong to because you know it's great to listen to them as their own um, self-contained pieces of music, but you got to see how they're interacting with the story and um, how they're interacting with uh, sound effects and dialogue too. That's a thing that people don't really think about a, a lot of times is if you make your score um, clash with those things, you know, the mixer is going to solve that problem by turning your music down. <laughs> so you uh, need to like be able to make it cohesive. So that's really good advice. I've got a couple my first is uh, maintain a healthy relationship with music because it can be a, like if you start to feel a disconnect with it, it can be really damaging. And, and like, I've, I found myself a few times just like struggling with my relationship with music and like, like how it exists in my life and the way that I want it, uh, want to exist want it to exist in my life so i've really had to focus and like meditate on like the way that i exist with my music and exist with music itself um and so try to stay healthy with it and try to always love it and remember why you love it and uh my second piece of advice was keep an open mind about all music there is no like there really at the end of the day there's no better music than the other there music can accomplish so many different things in so many different ways uh the reason i think about this wildly enough is because of tiktok and you have the most beautiful pieces of music being thrown onto your phone and then they do something completely different than you've never would have imagined they could do to you like make you laugh at like the most gorgeous piece of like like emotional music mm -hmm. and then it's being used for comedy and you're like you could never and the way that it can do that is it's crazy and like the way that technically bad music can like create like such a different perspective on, and put such a different spin on something is incredible there is no bad music music is is amazing and so keep an open mind there you go that's okay. awesome very awesome answers both of you guys so thanks for that i'm gonna actually like just add on to yeah start trying to shift your perspective to where you if you don't like a piece of music start by feeling like that's a failure on your part <laughs> like hey people like this and I don't like it. Maybe it's not just, it's just not for me. But why is it not for me? Can it be for me? Hmm. Yeah. And then maybe it'll grow or maybe you'll just yeah. understand yourself a little better and why you don't like it. Yeah. It will always lead you to progress and that can only be good. I feel like I just want to say from a certain point of view, you learn something new from every piece of, uh, from every piece of music. Yeah. Guys, we have to say, Thank you so very much to you both. It's been some of the most fun interviews we've done and it's, yeah. it really is a pleasure to hear from you guys and the incredible work you're doing. Obviously, the journey started with Kevin and it's ending with the two of you and each interview has been different and it's been exciting. And again, we we learn a lot because I don't Enlightening, think... Enlightening, yeah. Yeah, and I truly don't think people realise the amount of hard work graft and dedication that goes into what you all do because when i suppose there seems to be this thing that when people hear composer they think it's maybe somebody who gets on stage yeah helps the band and and that's it <laughs> there is so much hard graft and dedication that goes on behind the scenes and as you've both said it's incredibly emotionally tasking because you have to paint the full picture through your music and it's incredibly difficult to do. So I think if there's one thing myself and Kate can say as well, our appreciation for what you guys do has has just skyrocketed. So again, we, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Maybe if we're lucky enough, if you guys come to Ireland or if you're down in, if you're down in Georgia, down by Kate, we can uh, we can show you around. But if you guys yeah, are ever in Ireland, we promise you we'll give you the we'll give you the official Irish tour and the the Irish. Excellent! Tour the I absolutely am planning like near future to be 
like I, I'm going I'm also going to celebration this year so oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you there we'll see you there right. we're hosting a, a live podcast at one of the events the night before oh. that it kicks off hey. oh great yeah let's stay in touch yeah so guys just yeah. before we let you go where can people keep up with your latest adventures and what you have going on is Kiner Bros still the the main it's source always our our handle is always at and then Kiner Music K-I-N-E-R Music and that's us on every platform so far. I don't think any uh, any other one, like we're even on Mastodon. We don't post on Mastodon, but <laughs> <laughs> we have it just in case, but like, yeah. Yeah, in case I, Twitter I, implodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Guys, Twitter. This has been yeah. an absolute pleasure. Um, we would simply say, Same. say hello to Kevin for us. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was oh, going to yeah. say that too. Yeah. Will do. Tell them Blaba sends their best. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you have it. Kiner Brothers. Just am- amazing guys and super, super talented and w- such such a great interview. The, the two of them bounce off each other so well and such great stories as well. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think I mentioned it, but they are just, they're genuinely nice people and they're just they're so fun not like to you know follow along with online and they are super cool guys so yeah i think they said they're social so feel free to give them a follow and keep up with their projects and yeah yeah absolutely and hopefully we might be seeing one or the other at celebration we're not quite sure yet but um this is likely to be the shortest blabber outro you've ever heard because we have other episodes to edit and we've got to get ready for Star Wars Celebration. Watch this space. There'll be another follow-up episode coming very soon. Part three in our composer series. Until then, may the force be with you. See ya.